Now, I imagine that uh, many of you, uh, the last week or so, we've had time with family, right? Had get-togethers with family, had a lot of fun, maybe some uh, parties with friends. And I bet as you gathered, you probably had, uh, you, you probably were able to, 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 to hang out, to have fun. You probably had some food, too much food probably, right? Maybe even a few fireworks here and there. Don't tell Andrew. He'll, he'll get him. He'll let you know. But you probably had a good time, but I wonder how many of us here brought in the new year with the kind of style and class as the Coney Island Polar Bear Club. You know these people, right? They meet on January 1st at Coney Island Beach, and at a certain time, they participate in the first heat. It's very funny. They call it a heat, right? They dump with, with their bathing suits on. They jump into the ocean on the first cold day of the new year. <laughs> Anybody try that today? Yeah. I think some years it's colder than others. So this year people were thinking, well, you know, it's been sort of unseasonably warm. Maybe it's not going to be that bad. We'll get there and it's going to be A-OK. Well, I think most people got there, did what they do, and then got out. But I think they forgot, many of them, to include something in their calculations. Maybe they thought it wouldn't be as cold as it normally is, but they forgot about... Well, come on, you all live in Corpus Christi. You know what they forgot about. The wind. Oh, yeah, you can jump in that water, and for those first few months, oh, Okay, but then you almost kind of get in a strange way used to it. You know you want to get out. You know it's cold. You know what? It's time for me to get out. That's almost as worse as getting in because as soon as you get out in Coney Island, they had about 25 to 30 mile per hour winds. You get out and what happens? I want to go back in. It's cold. Here's my encouragement to you. Never underestimate. Of course, we rein that in some, and the wind is in a very important part of our faith. You heard it as, as uh, we went through our call to worship about the, the wind of God. That brings us all the way back to Genesis 1, right, where the wind or the breath of God was hovering over creation amidst all the chaos. And as the wind of God, as the breath of God hovered over, as God's word was spoken out of chaos, came our world and came our life. And this idea of the Spirit of God working runs through our scriptures. You cannot ignore the Spirit of God. Now, we Christians, let's be honest, we kind of, we tend to do that. We'll sing songs about God and to God, and Lord knows there's probably a million songs about Jesus. But I don't think we always give the Spirit its due. Because the Spirit of God is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. And friends, I want to reiterate to you, as the body of Christ, never underestimate the Spirit of God. You remember John the Baptist? He's the wild guy who dresses crazy to go to church and everything, and 
as he's got people out at the river, at the, the river one day, people are coming and they're excited. They're excited because they've heard what he's had to say. They believe they see in him something that God is doing. They believe that these are the words that are coming from God, that indeed this might be the time that God had been preparing for all of us. And so they go out to see John. They put up with how he looks, with how he sounds. They put up with what he has to say that kind of offends them. They're excited. They are there. But I wonder if John notices something. That as he had these all these people that have gathered, I don't know, maybe they wore swimsuits too that day to be out in the river with John. But as they're all there and they're all excited, you can see the, the smiles on their faces. You can hear what they're saying. There's, there's, there's something that gets passed down. You know what? Maybe. Do you think? Could it be? That this guy that we've come out to see, this one that has put us underwater, that has baptized us into this baptism of repentance, could it be that he's the one we've been waiting for as Messiah? And John, understanding, at least at this point, his role in God's kingdom, I wonder if he begins to hear those things. And I wonder if maybe at one point he kind of thinks, am I the one? No. But right here, he feels all the excitement. And he hears people begin to question him. And he says, like a slave and undo his sandals. That's how powerful that one is that is coming. You've all come to me today. You've heard this word that I've had to give to you. You've been baptized. But I've only baptized you with water. When this one comes, Never underestimate the Holy Spirit. John seems to have some kind of understanding that when his ministry is done, whatever that looks like, whatever he has to complete, whatever he has to do and be a part of, that when his, it's his time to move on. And indeed, as we read Luke chapter 3, we see the ministry of John fade to the background so that Jesus' ministry is raised and he becomes the prime focus of what we're hearing and learning about. But he seems to understand that as his ministry goes away, it becomes time for someone else's ministry and he is the one. And when he comes, he will come with the Holy Spirit to give to every single one Here's the reality, I think, of the church today, probably of many of us sitting here. 
doesn't really mean too much to us. We'll give thanks to God for it. We'll read it and say, got it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't quite understand that whole Trinity thing, but okay, sign me up. But we don't understand the power that has been offered to us in the name of Jesus. Now, John, he uses some particular language and just to remind you uh, of, of, uh, or to reiterate to you how influential this should be to us because it was to John. He will baptize you, John says, with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. Now, I've never gathered wheat. I've never cleared a threshing floor. But as I understand it, they, you know, they got the winnowing fork. Any of you ever used a winnowing fork? Yeah, okay, okay. So if I understand how you use a winnowing fork, it's pretty long. It's got the, you know, you know, that guy, right? He carries it, and he just kind of does this gig, right? Back and forth. Does that look familiar to anybody? Just wave that thing around, and it cuts up. Oh, I thought Jesus was coming, man. He scared me. <laughs> man, don't do that to me, Roy. <laughs> but anyway, you, you, you get in the wheat field, and you just, you know, right? Now, what happens as you do that? What happens to the wheat? It begins to fly into the air because you just cut it up. And what does the air do? The wind does its job. The wind begins to separate and to do what the wind does. Because that's what the wind does. And I want to suggest to you this morning that many of us in the body of Christ, we haven't let the wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God do what it does. I don't know why we fight it. I don't know why we hesitate. I don't know why we're fearful. I don't know why we don't give ourselves over to it. But friends, you have to understand that that is what Jesus came to show us, that as he came to offer us life, abundant life, hope, forgiveness, all those things we sing about and talk about, Well, he also came to remind us that he came with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which reminds us that there is power to be done in this world and in our life in the name of Jesus Christ. Never underestimate the power of the Spirit. Sadly, I think part of what has happened is we've forgotten We've forgotten what God said at, his, at Jesus' baptism. We've forgotten that as Jesus was baptized, just like everyone else, the heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and Christ heard those words. You, you know those words, right? You heard me say them before. You are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Understand this, church. I think those words were specific for Jesus because they were preparing him to do his ministry, to live his life. But I think when you and I are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God says the same thing to us. You are mine. And I love you. And I'm just sorry that didn't excite you all too much.
why doesn't it? Why doesn't that excite us anymore? Why can't we think about the Spirit of God that was at the beginning being with us at our baptism, being with us right now? Why doesn't that excite us? Isaiah said that when you walk with me, you walk with the Spirit, the waters, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not get burned. See, that's part of the promise we have of walking with God. That's part of the promise we have with our baptism, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit walks with us. The Holy Spirit brings power to our lives. The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's presence. The Holy Spirit keeps the waters from overflowing our lives. Because I don't know if you know what water likes to do. Water likes to overflow. And sometimes we get in so deep, it feels like water is just overflowing every part of our life. Does any of you know what that feels like? God says when you walk through that, the waters will not overwhelm you. I will make waters do what waters don't want to do. I will make waters say, no, that one is mine. You will not overwhelm him. You will not overwhelm her. Are y'all with me? Holy moly. I will tell fire not to do what fire wants to do. Fire wants to burn. I think God says when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned because I am with you. Now understand, he didn't say when you walk through the fire, it's not going to get hot. Oh, Lord have mercy. It gets hot sometimes, doesn't it? Water do what it doesn't want to do, and fire do what it want, doesn't want to do, because you are mine. Sisters and brothers, I know the pains of life. Trust me, I, I know what it means to feel like we're overwhelmed. I know what it feels like to, 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 to feel like we're being burned. But I know that our baptism means something. It means God of the universe says, I know that I'm still with you. You're still mine. So, I think we should pray because Sometimes those waters, boy, they just seem to rise and to rise. And sometimes that fire feels like it is right there in front of our faces. And if you want the Spirit of God to be a real part of your life, and if you want to be able to feel the Spirit leading you, let's pray together.
Oh, God, just like all those people who were with John, who were filled with so much excitement about the thought of the good that you were about to do, God, so here we too stand together with excitement, God. With joy because we trust that you are just just as much as work today as you have ever been. And God, we know that there is still joy you have to give. There is still peace that you can offer to us. There is still forgiveness that is available. Your mercy, God, endures forever. And today, God, we need it. Forgive us, God, when we have neglected your spirit's leading in our life. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing other voices to speak louder to us than that voice of assurance that you give to us. But free us today, God, to feel the power of your Holy Spirit rest upon us.